to dive in today. We're going to move back into Daniel. We're in Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6 is the last chapter in the book of Daniel that's really about what I would call biographically about Daniel and his friends. We move into the next section, um, which is more, how many know what the word eschatology means? It's a big word that means end time stuff. Um, I grew up Pentecostal and I felt like all they ever talked about was end time, so I avoid it like the plague. Um, and here we are in the book of Daniel and I can't avoid it anymore, so we have to talk about it. Um, so we're going to do our best to go through that. But Daniel 6 is probably the most famous passage in the book of Daniel. It's Daniel in the lion's den. How many could almost recite what happened just by memory because you've, been, you've heard it before? Oh, let's just do this real quick. How many know the story you've heard it before? Okay, cool. How many would say, I actually don't know the story. This is new to me. I'm curious. How many would say that? Love it. Okay. So we're going to go through, we're going to read the story of Daniel and the lion's den, and here's how I really want this to go. Even though you've heard it before, I want you to pay attention to, hey, what jumps out at you? Because like a good college class, you're going to be asked to participate. And I want you to be able to give me feedback. Hey, what jumps out? And then I want to share a few observations that I think the Lord's highlighted for me. You ready? You good? All right. So I'm going to read. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a prince to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others to administrate and supervise the princes and to watch out for the king's interest. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and princes. Because of his great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Then the other administrators and princes began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling his affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize. He was faithful and honest and always responsible, so they concluded... Our only chance in finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the requirements of his religion. Mazel tov. So the administrators and princes went to the king and said, long live King Darius. We administrators, prefects, princes, advisors, and other officials have unanimously agreed that your majesty should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, anyone who prays to anyone, divine or human, except your majesty, will be thrown to the lions. And let your majesty issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed, a law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open towards Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. The officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking God's help. So they went back to the king and reminded him about his law. Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days, anyone who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to your majesty, will be thrown to the lions? Yes, the king replied. And that decision stands. It is a law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they told the king, that man Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is paying no attention to you or your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was very angry with himself for signing the law, and he tried to find a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. In the evening, the three men went together to the king and said, your majesty knows that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. So at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, May your God, whom you worship continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles, so that no one could rescue Daniel from the lions. 
And then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Very early the next morning, the king hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God, whom you worship continually, able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouths so that they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him because he had trusted his God. And then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. He had them thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. The lions leaped on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. Then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and he will rule forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and he will, his rule will never end. He rescues and saves people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. And so Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, thanks for already an incredible day just full of your presence and the sweetness of heaven. Lord, we readily admit that when we study the scripture, it is you that brings revelation. You're the guide, you're the teacher. And Lord, right now we honor the scriptures and we give them authority in our lives. Lord, that every word that we've studied, every word that we've read, that it begins to take root in us and it begins to produce the kingdom in us. Lord, if there's things in us today that you itemize that need to be addressed, would you allow your, your word to speak to them? We want to be like you. We want to be the people you've called us to be, and we believe that these scriptures are necessary for that to happen. We love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Okay. So what'd you hear? What's jumped out? What thoughts? Oh, along with the wives and children. I know that one's kind of very, very grimacingly real. Any other thoughts? Well, Daniel, they found no fault in Daniel, and the only way they could go after him was through his faith. Through his faith, yeah. Come on, this is, this is a, yeah, come on, let's go, Marty. As Christians, we're always being watched. Oh, yeah, that's good. As believers, we're being watched. His first response was back to go back to the Lord. Yeah. This is good. Keep going. Yeah. It's a great point. 30 days was the decree. I think a lot of people would have just pushed pause, but Daniel didn't do that. What else? Any thoughts? I'd, yeah. It was like breathing for him. Yeah, it was, a, it was his habit. What else? Yeah, the king, the king, it's very interesting. If you look at King Darius versus all the other kings we've been studying, Darius has a much different heart pattern. 
Like he's the only king that was mad at himself for what he did. <laughs> the other kings were mad at everybody else. We remember Nebuchadnezzar who every time somebody made him mad, he was gonna figure out a way to kill them that was more sinister. It, it is interesting. What, what else? What, any other thoughts? Yeah. Sounds like what's going on today, that, people, that there's a movement against faith. Okay, what else? Well, Darius was watching to see what happened. He expected, I think, that God showed up. He didn't sleep, and then when they morning, Yeah, it's interesting. It, it, there is a moment in there where King Darius definitely isn't, like, ignoring the situation. He's paying attention to what is God going to do. And I love that, that God's on display in this. Any other thoughts? This is great. Keep going. If you get them all right, then we just go home. <laughs> Daniel never, he never put the fight. He trusted God. He knew that he would be. Daniel doesn't fight at all. He just surrenders to the process, which is incredible. Other thoughts, ideas? How old was Daniel here? Uh, 80 is what most people think. Most scholars believe Daniel's near, near the latter parts of his lives. Somewhere between 70 and 80 is what we think. I, to give you a definitive answer, I don't know. Mm. Obedience is a big topic in this one. Agreed. Come on, keep going. It's good. Just do the horse shack thing. We just shout it out. It's fine. None of you know what, how many know what Welcome Back Cotter was? Okay, thank you. Man, I start to feel super old right there. <laughs> yeah. I would agree that I think King Darius had an expectation that, that God was going to do something which we're all kind of dancing around a really, really important idea, which is the way Daniel postured himself allowed God to utilize Daniel's life to reveal himself in the marketplace, which is a super important idea. Yeah. Good, I'm gonna repeat that I, because of our beautiful HVAC system, you couldn't hear that. Um, there are a lot of times in our lives, what she's saying is that we can feel like we're going into a lion's den. It doesn't make sense. We don't see an instant out or a solution, but we can trust in the love and the mercy of God to get us through it. It's a great point. Other ideas? You're, steal, you're stealing all the good ones, so keep going. Yeah. He did stop. That's interesting. When he took all of those prefects, all those advisors that had rose up against Daniel, by throwing their families in, the, in their entirety, he like snuffed out bloodlines. It's an incredible picture. You had your hand up? Yeah, that's good. Daniel never let go of his protocol towards the king. Yes, sir. Dismiss the fact that there was an angelic encounter. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. How many, how many went to Sunday school and saw some type of flannel graph with this story? Right. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they were wrong. The lions always look really nice in the flannel graph. <laughs> Any other thoughts, ideas? Yeah. 
He is. I love that God in this situation one more time reveals himself as the only king that's really, really, really worth following. It's a beautiful picture. Other ideas, stories, thoughts? Yeah. Yes. Supernatural power brought wholesale change in the culture. That's a big idea. It's a really big idea. Because I think in our culture, we would tend to believe that academic change is what's going to bring a wholesale shift. Other ideas, other thoughts? Sometimes you get eaten. <laughs> Sometimes it doesn't go well for you, is the paraphrase. We have this like fun thing we do where we grab onto, in the team, we grab onto these little phrases that Gary will say, because every once in a while he'll just be so in a moment, and here's one of them. You ever looked at a sheep? And then you're like, and what? And then he just waits, and he waits for dramatic effect. I love it, it makes me laugh all the time. Like those, sometimes you get eaten. I, I need more context. <laughs> what other thoughts, ideas? Yeah, there's a, there's a repetition of history in this Daniel book. In Daniel 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6, it feels almost at times like you're reading the same story over and over again, but it's a story that spans some 70 plus years. There's a couple things I wanted to highlight. One of them is just, a, if you have the notes, you see that I just put kind of factoids or, or teaching pockets. One of them is this man, Darius the Mede. Darius the Mede's interesting because if you study, if you go to Google, and how many know if it's on the internet, it's true. <laughs> if you go to Google and you study Darius the Mede, the fact that he's mentioned here is actually used by a lot of the world to prove, for their, in their opinion, to prove that Daniel's false. Because up until not very long ago, Darius the Mede was, like, we couldn't find anything that proved he was in, in existence. There, it seemed to go from when the Medes and Persians came in, Cyrus is the first one that is mentioned as the king. And so, um, as I'm studying this and I'm diving in, one of the things, I, I love history, so as we've been working through the book of Daniel, I love diving in and looking at the historical figures. So I dive in, I'm looking at Darius the Mede, and there's just this weight of information that says, Darius the Mede didn't exist, therefore Daniel's fiction. We had this very long conversation. It lasted almost the entire teaching team meeting about, well, what happens if it is fiction? The way I'm wired, if Daniel's fiction, I'm sure not applying it to my life as truth. I'll apply it like allegory or like Cinderella. <laughs> so we start digging in and come to find out um, there's a, a guy that, that did his thesis at Dallas Theological Seminary. He decided to do his entire doctoral thesis on the idea of did Darius the Mede exist? And he starts digging into antiquity and all these old documents and come to find out, lo and behold, there is a king named Darius that was there. He was a co-regent with Cyrus. He lived his life, died of natural causes, left no heir. And so the, the Medes and Persians had split the kingdom into two to try to make it stronger so there wasn't a dictatorial rule. And when Darius passes away, there's nobody to carry on his line. So Cyrus absorbs it all and it comes under Cyrus. And I love that. Here's why I love that. I feel like every time there's this scholarly weight to try to disprove the scriptures. Somehow we end up coming back into the understanding that, oh, you know what? It actually is right. For me, it causes me to relax and go, I can actually build my life on this thing. I can take it into my life as truth, apply it accordingly, 
and rest in that. Second thing I wanted to highlight is this, it's probably the the main thing that I see. In this phrase, Daniel proved himself more capable. If we look at that in the text where the king, it's just right early, it says, Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and princes. It seems like there's a restating over and over and over again of this type of idea through whether it's Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, or it's Daniel. There's just this restating of faithfulness. I think that there are statements about the character that these men walked in in the marketplace. Now, when I say marketplace, what I mean by marketplace is the places outside of our church gathering that we live and we, and we move and we carry on our life. For some of us, it could be school systems if you're a teacher, it could be a hospital if you're a doctor, it could be King Supers if you work in the grocery store, it doesn't matter, it could be your neighborhood, if you, it, it doesn't matter, it just really applies to life outside of our community of faith. And there's something that seems to keep coming up in Daniel about the character that these men walked in, in their professions. The way I would say it is that the way Daniel lived and managed his life opened doors for him in the marketplace. This phrase, because of his great ability. In the Hebrew, it's an interesting phrase. The root phrase is that Daniel possessed an excellence spirit. That's what it means in the Hebrew. That Daniel possessed an excellence spirit. So what's an excellence spirit? It's a statement of skill set and mindset. If you consider what Daniel was doing, The type of work he was in was administrative. He was leading, creating systems. His great ability was a combination of both hard work and diligence and character. It's the way for me, it's a statement that reveals how he showed up on the job every day. And who he was in the marketplace. How did that excellence show? I want to look at three statements that were made about him. And it's made by, the, by those who were trying to discredit him. If we look at them, they were looking for reasons to discredit him. And then there's these statements that are made about who he was. He was faithful. The root word means capable of being trusted. So Daniel handled himself in a way that made him someone others could trust. He kept his word and he did what he said he would do. Now, in all of these, obviously, here's the overlay. I want us to be asking the question of ourselves. If this is kingdom character on display, if this is the Lord presenting Daniel in such a way that his hope is that we see him, we elevate him and say, that's the kind of person I want to be in the marketplace, then we have to apply these things to ourselves. Do I have a spirit of excellence? Do I walk in an excellence spirit? Would the world around me say, that person is consumed with the idea of being excellent at what God's given them to do. So to that end, are we faithful? Could it be said of us in the marketplace, we are capable of being trusted? When our superiors or our, or our, our coworkers hand us something to do or manage, are we people that they would be able to say, they're faithful, I gave it to them, they're gonna get it done. What does it look like for us as believers to present ourselves in the marketplace in such a way that we could say to our boss, you never have to check up on me. I will always fully do what you give me to do. I will be faithful. Second thing is that Daniel was honest. 
He's faithful, he's honest. The root word here means to have nothing remiss. There's no guile or falseness in his communication or his dealings. It is the essential idea of being without corruption. So here's Daniel presenting himself to the watching world saying this. My word is my word, it's my bond. If I give it to you, it's truth. If I say yes, it's a yes. If I say no, it's a no. I will never double back, I won't change my mind. I, am, I live in honesty. It deals with the way we handle, I worked for a company in the Northwest that had a, they had a rule. One of, it was a uh, Les Schwab Tire Center. They're out here now and they weren't when we first moved here. But uh, old man Les was a kind of a cowboy kind of, and he just had some basic rules. And one of his rules was, you steal a dollar, you're fired. I don't care how innocuous you think what you stole was, the principle that you were willing to steal makes you someone I do not want in my company. So here we have Daniel presenting a character issue in the kingdom that says, I understand that my king deals in truth, he deals in honesty. Think about this. Honesty is a choice. No one can ever control whether or not I'm honest or not. Only I can. And Daniel presenting this kingdom character that says, I'm gonna be honest regardless of the cost. It's interesting to me that Daniel prays. Daniel prays with his windows open. We don't know if they had shutters. I know they didn't have blinds yet. So, I mean, we're not sure. But we know that Daniel was in no way, shape, or form trying to hide what he was doing. So what does it look like for us to grab onto that mindset and say, to be truly kingdom people, we will live without hiding, we will live in absolute transparency because this is honesty. Does that make sense? And the third one is they said he was always responsible. The word here means to, to have no negligence. So it means he's careful and he's detailed. We would say he worked with a passion to do things correctly. When he did something, it was done right, accurately, and thoroughly. Think about those. What does it look like if I make a decision, you make a decision, that because of our love for God, because of our faith, because of our understanding of who he is, we are going to show up in our different areas in the marketplace with our mindset, our attitude, our character so established that we're going to be diligent, that we're gonna never let negligence, we're gonna be watching, minding our P's and Q's, how many know that phrase? I'm taking care of the details around me because I understand that negligence reflects poorly on the Father. Man, I know this feels like we're meddling in the marketplace, but church, here's my point. I believe the way Daniel handled himself in the marketplace is what drew favor out of Darius. And I think the heart of God is that we be people in our day and in our time that are so committed to this type of integrity that it causes the people around us that don't even know God to at least be proud of who he is. Where they can't find anything to say against us because we're so careful with how we live where we would never do the thing that happens so often, which is we're gonna separate our church life from our work life. But we now understand that our character and our integrity have to merge together and be part of who we are at all times. And I think these words used to describe him are not skill set words, they're intentional decisions that Daniel made to develop his own character.
On that note, let's talk about a bigger building. I think these are, I, I think th these decisions are what made Daniel stand out in the marketplace. I think these decisions are the evidences for us of what it looks like to walk in an excellence spirit. My challenge to us, each of us, is to be people that would embrace this, grab onto it, ask the questions of ourselves. Do I possess an excellent spirit? You see, the possession of an excellent spirit isn't some gift that God gives you. It's actually an intentional passion that we appropriate by choosing to be people who are faithful, honest, and responsible. I think faithfulness is a word that describes our willingness to follow through on tasks and assignments and roles. And honesty is a character commitment that governs how, governs how we handle ourselves. We choose honesty, we choose truth, we refuse falseness. Whether it be what we say, how we manage our time, doesn't matter. And responsibility is a word that deals with how we approach our roles in the marketplace with a carefulness. We think about the fact someone's put their trust in us to do a job well, so we're gonna do it well no matter what it is. You might be in a spot where you feel like, man, I don't really, my job doesn't matter. It's so menial, nobody cares. There's a spiritual principle that I think we miss, and it's if we're faithful with little, God rewards with more. Promotion in the marketplace is far more spiritual than you would ever understand. And the way we get into promotion, the way we get to be the people that stand in a community so the watching world says, I love what their God's doing in their life, is to be people who appropriate this kind of faithful integrity, realizing that everything I do in the workplace reflects on him. Let's stand.